Good morning, everybody. You are listening to X-Ray FM. I'm Jefferson Smith. Why don't we get started straight with news with my dad? And now it's time for news with my dad. A show we talk with the news with my dad. Another phone coming at you live. Playing the role of my dad is, in fact, my dad. The star of our show, the one and only paper towel king, R.P. Joe Smith. Pop, how you doing? I'm totally puzzled. This is a show we talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff. Sometimes we talk about the unimportant stuff. When it's unimportant, try not to say so. Or actually, we try to explain why. We take turns. Dad typically takes the first turn. Pop, do you have a shout-out? I have four shout-outs. First, locally, I want to shout out for Irv Fletcher, the former chair of the Oregon AFL-CIO, now known as the Emeritus Chair of the Oregon AFL-CIO, who wrote a letter to the Oregonian telling the police union that it starts to that it needs to start being responsible and insisting that its members obey the law. Congratulations, Irv. And then I want to shout out for Representative Andy Kim, Democrat from New Jersey, who was not in the Capitol when the riot happened, but he was in another building. When he came to the Capitol because the House was reconvening, he saw the mess and he spent over one hour and a half picking up the trash that the rioters left, filled six garbage bags. Then I want to shout out for Adam Kinzinger, Republican representative from Illinois, who has had the courage to speak up and say, Mike Pence, you should invoke the 25th Amendment. This man is dangerous. That's a Republican. And finally, by the way, I want to quote what Representative Kim had to say. He said, I feel blessed to have this opportunity as a son of immigrants to be able to serve in Congress. Democracy to me is his place of opportunity that is affording me a chance to do something extraordinary. And what did he do that was extraordinary? He picked up the trash. And finally, I want to shout out for Liz Cheney, the Republican conference chair in the House, third-ranking Republican in the House, who said, we just had a violent mob assault the U.S. Capitol in an attempt to prevent us from carrying out our constitutional duty. There's no question the president formed the mob. The president incited the mob. The president addressed the mob. He lit the flame. My compliments to Liz Cheney. Well, Dad, where do you want to start this morning? Well, I want to I want to acknowledge two passings. I want to acknowledge the passing of Tommy Lasorda, the great Dodger manager, great human being, and also want to acknowledge the passing of Mason Druckmann, who, an Oregon author who wrote maybe the definitive biography of Wayne Morse. And then what I'd like to begin, I'd like to begin on Fox on the Riot, and, and just generally talk a little bit about the riot. Well, what are your thoughts about the riot? Well, the real danger of it is just emerging that that there really were some, there apparently was some central planning by some of the folks. There are folks who had zip ties. There were gallows that were put up. There were people with weapons. And I am wondering if the planners of some really, really bad stuff found themselves deterred 
by all of the wannabes who weren't in on the central plot to really do bad stuff and created such a crowd that they couldn't pull off some of the really bad stuff that they intended to do. What are your thoughts on that? It has turned out that it is a bit darker than for a moment it might have seemed. That I know comments from various quarters vacillated between, oh, maybe it was just a group of dum-dums doing dum-dum stuff, to the more coordinated concern that, in fact, it was not only uh, something that happened at a moment's notice, but something that had planning was pretty dark. The more we see and the more we learn, the more concerned I get. Uh, that includes the guy who showed up with uh, the plastic handcuffs. Uh, that includes not only you know a, a new death that has been uh, discovered of a uh, an officer who committed suicide, whose father had worked with Paul Manafort. That's got the that's got the people who search in dark quarters uh, particularly concerned and up in tweeting. The uh, this to me was uh, something that was planned for a long time uh, is indeed one of the scarier episodes in American history. I hope it is a reminder for uh, people who want to promote progressive movements to try to be the kind of movement that is when people look at it, they say those are the folks who should be in charge that try to build, try to take the lessons of Gandhi, try to take the lessons of Martin Luther King and uh, promote uh, peace loving and positive and pro-social and pro-democracy movements. I'm also hopeful that this will be an episode that remains ingrained in American voters as we think about who should be in power. The Republican Party, of course, and I do shout out to Lynn Cheney, but let's be clear, this has not been merely Donald Trump who has been engaged in these activities, and it, and it ain't over yet. The, no, it isn't we, we, over yet, and we have to be really concerned because there's there's a lot of uh, chatter on social media about a, a reprise on the 17th, uh, which uh, is coming Saturday, and then on uh, Sunday, rather, and then on the 20th, the day of the inauguration. So something really, really to be concerned about. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is apparently really pushing Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment, he really should invoke the 25th Amendment, but but uh, he probably won't because he knows that if he did that, his chance of ever getting a Republican nomination would be zilch. Although if he got the Republican nomination after he did that, he'd have a greater chance of getting the election because there might be a bu bunch of independents and maybe even a few Democrats who decided maybe he had a conscience after all, which so far he has not shown much evidence of. Uh, some random comments. Senator Sass has said not a single senator in private con conversations has claimed that there was actually any voter fraud. Not a single one. The uh, <laughs> Lots of resignations. Five top staffers at the FAA have resigned because they say they can't work for Trump anymore. The uh, vice chair of the Oregon Young Republicans, Christina Melanon, at age 28, 
was one of those arrested so far, and the rest is the arrests are going up. Related to the the whole thing, Kurt Schrader. Kurt Schrader has uh, our representative has done an interesting uh, development. He first was quoted as saying impeachment would be a lynching. Then he apologized for that, saying he realized that that's a bad term. And then finally he said, "I will vote." To impeach, that's uh, that's somebody who shows that he can he can he can learn. The Department of Defense is calling the riots First Amendment protests in a in a letter. That's what they First Amendment protests. Can you believe that? And Dominion, the the company that has the voting machines, are is suing Sidney Powell. Sidney Powell's law firm, Sidney Powell's organization, for $1.3 billion with a complaint that runs to 124 pages alleging libel and slander. That will be something to keep her eye on. But something that we, we talked, I, I talked a little bit about, well, last Thursday, and I want to mention again, something we need to be careful about is not painting everybody with the same brush and uh, and descending into what might be called Jacobin, I never knew if it was Jacobin or Jacobin uh, revenge, where we decide we're just going to treat every treat everybody who was there as if they were the same bad people, because we have to recognize some of those people, a lot of those people were motivated by what they viewed and and what you could say really is the highest motive where they really felt that they were having to protect the the country that they love against really bad stuff because they had been convinced by a very very evil man and his enablers that there was a fraudulent election which overturned what the president has called an overwhelming majority in his favor and they couldn't get help from Congress. They couldn't. Uh, they couldn't get help from from uh, the courts. They couldn't get help from the vice president. So the only recourse was to try to to produce some kind of coup. And what they did was really bad. But the motive that they were acting out of. But the folks who were there really apparently were, were uh, intending to do physical harm to members of con- Congress and maybe even the Vice President, those folks need to be put in the slammer. Story, the storming of the Capitol was openly planned, but it was ignored by law enforcement during Donald Trump's inauguration and many Black Lives Matter protests this year. D.C.'s law and order apparatus flexed its militarized might, but last Wednesday, law enforcement in D.C. prepared a smaller response to extremists who showed up to a protest at a fairly held Democratic election. Some videos of the event show law enforcement stepping aside, removing barricades, even taking selfies with those who stormed the Capitol building. Metropolitan Police Department reported they had no intelligence suggesting there'd be a breach of the U.S. Capitol, but right-wing extremists had been planning for the event on social media, like Parler and Stormfront. A note on Parler in a moment. Nationwide law enforcement has increased surveillance of far-right groups since the summer. 
Top officials like Attorney General Bill Barr encouraged surveillance and prosecution of anti-racist organizers and so-called outside agitators. Now there's a question who will take responsibility for law enforcement's failures last Wednesday. The House and Senate Sergeants at Arms resigned on Thursday. Nancy Pelosi called the resignation of the chief of the Capitol Police. There have now been 82 arrests related to the Capitol siege. FBI is offering $50,000 in reward for information leading to the arrest of a person who planted pipe bombs at the Democratic Party headquarters and apparently also the Republican Party headquarters. Speaking of parlor, Amazon is cutting ties with a social network. And by the way, also in the news that you and I haven't had a chance to talk about is Donald Trump has been removed from Twitter. Dad, at all. Not just Twitter. At all. So, Dad, you are not a social media person, but are are there any moments that you're going to miss Donald Trump from his presence on social media? Well, I'm going to miss it simply because the mainstream media could not resist the lure of reciting not not anywhere near all of his Twitters because if they recited all of his Twitters there'd be no room for for news let alone advertising but nonetheless kept repeating his his Twitters so so that was there and and Fox News oh you know Fox, the folks at Fox I just they they buckle my mind. They they have focused on how awful it is, Hannity especially, and and Levin and others have just fulminated about how awful it is because social media is being limited, is giving limited and reducing access of DDT. I got, I got an email from my sister who has drunk the drunk the Kool-Aid uh, saying that she recommend, urged people not to use Facebook and to cancel their cancel their memberships in Facebook and Twitter, uh, etc. because of the awful thing they're doing to the president. And I responded just saying uh, there's a good thing that came out of this I'll tell you. I responded by saying suppose there is a crowded theater and some leaders have access to microphones, and one of the leaders, because he is angry at feeling not appreciated, wants to create disturbance, even a riot, and wants to call in his microphone fire, even though there is no fire, would the management of the theater be doing a bad thing by cutting off his microphone? I think not. There is no constitutional right to incite riot or sedition or insurrection. I have not received a response from her, but I got a wonderful response from one of her children, one of your cousins, Jody, who thanked me for my message and said that she was that she had difficulty maintaining relationships with her family because they have drunk the Kool-Aid. I don't know if you had a chance to see that message, but that was encouraging to me. Indeed, Trump's social media handles on Facebook and Instagram were indefinitely banned. Parler has had all of its vendors drop them. 
there is this question about what happens now. There, of course, is plenty of oligarchic wealth. And, I'll, and I know people have a chance to see these stories. And what I hope that we will do, and Dad, what I want to call on you to do, is see where we can add particular value or our insight or our background or something that we catch that somebody else might miss or giving people a chance to ask questions or to offer their own thoughts. If you want to do that, by the way, the text line here is 971-220-5979. I'll say it more slowly, 971 971- Two two zero five nine seven nine. I've had a question about what changed. Now, here one of the pieces of speculation is that in fact the national security apparatus has flexed. That in fact now there has been before. There was all kinds of chatter. Well, it's all it's all in the game. Right, left, going to right and left. Protesters going to protest. People are going to do stuff. It's all kind of within the over to window, if you will. I do worry that the phrase over the window has been used to justify things that would otherwise not be justified, has been used to apologize for ideas and suggestions and conduct that should not be in the main, that should not be approved, and that now we see some of the consequence of that kind of conduct, of that kind of behavior, of try to open that over to window. But now that we have seen this kind of conduct that finally you see even the large tech outfits, even much of the oligarchy flexing against it. There is, however, still a risk. What happens next? Right, that None of this would have happened. None of this would have happened but for right-wing radio over the last 30 years. None of it would have happened but for what's happened on social media over the last decade. None of it would have happened but for the Southern strategy by Richard Nixon. This took many steps to get to a place where there were more than a handful of people who thought it was a good idea to engage in a seditious riot at the U.S. Capitol, including flying the Confederate flag in the United States Capitol, the very Capitol that the Confederacy was trying to burn down, destroy, and eviscerate. You did. You didn't include Rupert Murdoch. You got to always re- include Rupert Nur- Murdoch and his Myrmidons. Christine Alexander texted in: Cumulus Media Media has issued an internal memo warning hosts to stop saying that Trump won, threatening to fire hosts who dispute the election results. An internal memo: Mark Levin is one of their hosts. It's to talk to an old friend, guy who works for Sheldon Whitehouse, used to be here, was the bus project guy back in the day. His name's Alex Aronson. And he gave me some information I may have a chance to talk about on Thursday about uh, he's been really connecting us. White House office, and I don't mean the White House, I mean Senator White House, their office has been conducting a bunch of research on understanding the funding landscape of the right wing, understanding how these folks are operating. And it is a useful thing, I think, for our listenership to understand at one point. Trump administration efforts to lease the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge for oil drilling were a failure. Auction raised just fourteen million dollars. Fourteen million dollars. When they talked, they were going to get a billion. Oh dear. That comes short, as they say, of the one point eight billion dollars the Department of Interior expected to raise back in January. They sold just half of the land tracks offered. The EPA under Trump has rolled back many major protections for wildlife in the country. Sale of the Arctic lands was supposed to raise money for the federal government to replace revenue lost in the tax cuts. So to be clear, they went into the Congressional Budget Office and they said, don't worry, this is going to be kind of a balanced budget kind of thing because we're, just, we're going to get to do the tax cuts, but we're also going to sell off this land. Well, the tax cuts cost the budget a bunch of money, but the sale of the land didn't fill much of the gap at all. 
Drilling for oil in the Arctic is an unpopular proposition, will cause irreparable damage to the fragile ecosystem. It's also expensive, though, for companies to drill for oil in a location that's so remote. So in December, all major American banks announced they would not offer funds for the Arctic drilling projects. Now oil drilling in the Arctic seems doomed after a 40-year fight in the region. Biden and future Secretary of the Interior Deb Haaland, Holland, excuse me, also oppose drilling in the Arctic. So that's what we know about that. Less than less than one percent was the amount bid. Less than one percent of what that was promised. We got a text in, and this is one of the stories we want to cover. Kurt Schrader has been now criticized and has now apologized for his likening of a second possible Trump impeachment as a lynching. His political consultant, Mark Weiner, but for whom uh, Kurt Schrader would not have been elected. Kurt Schrader has been, has had one of the most conservative voting records of any Democrat in Congress. He came out in a call with the Democratic caucus opposing that impeachment. That created a firestorm, calling it a lynching, not only is backing of Trump, but also misunderstands and deeply mischaracterizes and misuses the history of that racial violence. Mark Wiener has now dropped Kurt Schrader as a client. Mark not wanting to get caught up in that controversy. Mark has somehow avoided the controversy of electing Schrader in the first place. Uh, he, did you did 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 you before the break? Did you catch what I had to say about Schrader that he has come full circle though and now says he will vote for impeachment? We did. See, no, I didn't hear you say that. We I didn't know that was something you had teased. We had gone to break, but no, he was most recently one of just two Democrats to vote against a bill that would have increased stimulus checks from six hundred to two thousand. So remember that back and forth. It wasn't that long ago whether the stimulus checks should be increased. Well, there were two Democrats to vote against that bill. One of them was Kurt Schrader. He had been, of course, in the Oregon Senate for a long time. So was his ex-wife, who also served and in the county commission. Uh, He comes from, uh, was it Pfizer money? I think that's where he inherited his money from. His district touches the Portland suburbs and long stretch of the coast in central Oregon. He won re-election November pretty easily. He did get a primary challenge. We talked to Mark Gamba, who was his primary challenge. I think there will be another one. It reminds me of uh, of other times when, uh, in fact, more recently, when there was a challenge in the state Senate, in, in the state Senate in, that, in this instance, in southeast Portland and northern Clackamas County, uh, when Mike Schaffler had been protected by much of the operating political class, largely organized labor in his instance. And finally, it took the courage not only of a candidate, but particularly of some activists. And in this case, it was really the League of Conservation Voters who said, we can't have this guy as we are. We keep electing a guy who is opposed to any environmental protection to the Oregon legislature, and finally it took some the courage of the OLCV, and then once they had decided to oppose Schaffler, support another candidate, then others started to follow along. Similarly, Mark Gamble was running, and Mark Gamble had had a fine resume, had been a, had been a mayor, but getting the traction to beat somebody 
who had I think I think Schrader had two million had a two million dollar war chest he was sitting on, and it can be real scary to run against that guy. And so there are lots of people who are like, well, yeah, you know, we probably like somebody other than Schrader, but you know, do we really want to spend our money trying to beat him? So I think now, remembering this conversation, there are probably discussions already happening about who will be the candidate or candidates who challenge Kurt Schrader in the next election. This is Oregon, and having one of the most conservative members of the House delegation, one of the most conservative Democrats in the House delegation, is uh, is something that the voters of that his portions of Marion County, his portions of Clackamas County, they might not be as wild about. To be clear, he represents some relatively conservative areas, but those aren't the Democrats who elect him. While we're talking about the Oregon delegation, I was I was just so disappointed that Cliff Bentz, who who did some good things, uh, I had occasion to, to work with him on a couple of issues when when he was in this in this legend, Oregon legislature. Cliff Bentz was one of those who joined joined the vote on the. Uh, on to invalidate the election. election, yeah, it's just it's just so so disappointing. Yeah, let's dwell on let's dwell on Cliff Bentz a little bit because I'll tell you, Cliff reminds me of, and I know him, and I've done I've worked with him, and I sat two chairs away from him uh, in a House committee. The uh, when I when I remember when Bill Barr was being uh, appointed, and the. Uh, and the debate was happening in the press, not only on the Senate floor for confirmation, but the debate was happening with the press. And they're saying, oh, well, this guy, he is, he is urbane in deportment. And that very urbanity will carry us and serve us well. He has important clients that pay him a lot of money as a private lawyer. Therefore, he is qualified to be the attorney general. And later on, that seemed like a set of foolish endorsements. Cliff Bentz is somebody who received many notes of respect from so many quarters. Uh, Jules Cole Bailey worked with him closely on a number of bills, and Jules would uh, would speak very fondly of him. And I would be a little more skeptical, to be, to be frank. And he was very urbane and important. I always found Cliff to be a nice guy. But the reason he reminds, but he, he reminded me of Bill Barr. And what I mean by that is Cliff's background was as, is as, a, uh, a, a highly paid big ag lawyer he represents big agriculture interests, and the and the challenge is for those people without any without any particular criticism for those people who thought that Bill Barr would stand up to his clients or that Bill Barr would stand up to the cl- person who hired him, the thought that Cliff Bentz would stand up to the Republican apparatus or the most extreme elements of the right wing apparatus. I think that very urbanity and deportment might suggest to you how, in fact, he might respond. Uh, Cliff Bentz was viewed as sort of the mild-mannered right-wing alternative. But to be clear, being mild of manners is not the only part of the analysis and might not be the most important part of the analysis. In fact, that to me is some of what the debate has been about over the last years that I think has been wrong, that the criticism of Donald Trump was his bad manners. The bad manners have not been the problem. 
the willingness to engage in racist, authoritarian sedition, that is the problem. Whether you do that with your outside voice or your inside voice, whether you do that because you storm the Capitol or because you move a barricade or because you help plan for it to happen or because you help put together the funding for the media apparatus that helps foment it, whatever stage of that RICO violation that you are in doesn't matter how well you tip the valet. Well, Dad, the United States lost 140,000 jobs in December. Significant impacts on jobs for women. American women lost 156,000 jobs. American men gained 16,000 jobs. That means of the 140,000 jobs lost in December, all of that net loss was women losing jobs. Black and Latina women lost more jobs in December than white women. By the end of last year, women held 860,000 less jobs than men. How come? Black and Latino women work in some of the sectors hit hardest. That's education, that's health care, that's hospitality. With schools and daycares closed, women have had to make hard decisions between work and parenting. Job losses suggest the economy is backtracking as new waves of COVID-19 are surging. A lot has been made of racial inequity exacerbated by, demic, by the pandemic. Excuse me. In addition to that, how can we also center, Dad, the pandemic's effect on gender inequity? How do we make sure folks hear about that, Pop? <laughs> we, I, I, I am troubled how we're going to do that because one, one of the really, really bad things that has happened with the proliferation of social media and with the proliferation of online is that we have less and less any common place to go for information. What uh, I confess, I force myself to spend a little time on Fox News every day so I hear what they're saying. And, and this guy Levin, this guy Levin, so help me, said how he was going to, in his program tonight, he was going to make some people mad because he was going to tell the truth. And then after he said that, the first thing he claimed was was the total lie that Obama had spied on and put a, a spied on Trump's campaign uh, just but folks who are listening to that and that's where they get the information I, I'm at a loss to know how we're going to reach them unless unless there could all of a sudden appear some honest backbone in a significant number of Republican leaders who would be willing to emulate the the rarity of the Illinois congressman and the Maryland governor and tell the truth and say, hey, folks, you really do, do need to understand there was no fraudulent election. There really were no, there really was a 7 million vote loss that the president suffered, that the two senators elect from Georgia really were honestly elected. You just need to understand, and there would have to be just a whole lot of them. Uh, the other thing is, is it, could this possibly be a time for the emergence of a new party? Uh, new parties have emerged rarely, but when they have, it's been quite significant. Perhaps the most significant was when the Republican Party emerged in the 1850s, ultimately, ultimately leading to the Civil War and finally to the abolition of slavery. What do you think? 
Well, I do think that is a topic that we should discuss. I think what happens to the Republican Party now is a marvelous question. I sort of feel like the way I feel about tobacco companies, that at some point, if you're if what if the harm you are causing is that significant, that reconstitution is something that uh, is worth exploring. But that that's going to have to be something we pick up later because now it is about time to straw on the wind. We have Christine Alexander coming on for an interview of an abbreviated show this morning. We had some technical difficulties this morning. Thanks for everybody's patience. Thanks for Sam Smargiasi stepping in and helping out so capably. Appreciate you, uh, Dad. Is there anything you want to say before your straw on the wind? Well, I had a bunch of court stuff, but let's let any, any quick court stuff. We promised the court stuff. You should at least say one piece of the court stuff since we said so. Okay, one piece of the court stuff, state and local news, that uh, our Attorney General, Ellen Rosenblum, is joining the folks in Seattle suing against the removal of the National Archive outlet in Seattle closing down, and that's something for us to watch. Oh, and I think we should mention that Ginger Mooney, who is a a lawyer in Portland, is being sued by Fallon Smart's dad. Fallon Smart was killed by a Saudi Arabian student who was somehow, when he was out on bail, wound up in Saudi Arabia, and they're suing her, saying that she was partly responsible citing the fact that at least three others of her clients had the same had the same thing happen, which maybe is something to keep our eye on. Well, Pop, any further straw in the wind? Like straw in the wind. A straw in the wind. The Premier of North Korea, Mr. Kim, has made a major statement saying that the development of nuclear weapons will be pushed forward without interruption. That's a scary straw in the wind. Well, Dad, we did it one more time. We did indeed, and we'll be back on Thursday. Love you, lad. Love you, Pop.